Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. But one thing that, that terrifies me a little bit is knowing how I am modeling life for my kids. Uh, every day I do things that I'm thinking, man, my kids are watching this. And so things happen, you know, at the dinner table and my kids start talking and, and sometimes my wife has to butt in and be like, hey guys, let's try to not be so sarcastic. And we all know where that came from. My wife is a super sarcastic woman. Um, no, she's the nicest human ever. Uh, so yeah, that stuff comes from me. But sometimes, uh, you know, so, so sometimes we model things poorly. But other times, we actually have things modeled for us in a way that's really healthy and beneficial. Um, for me, one thing that I've noticed in, in the last few years is uh, I had, so I, you guys know I love sports, and I, I love the game of basketball. And I didn't realize until the last like five years just how good the coaches that I had in high school modeled the, the game of basketball and the fundamentals of basketball for me. And so I didn't notice it actually until, I'd say, I started to notice it in college. I got to college and, and I played one year of basketball there and I realized not everybody cares about fundamentals. Um, we were in a practice one day and I'll try not to keep the, the lingo so that you don't understand it if you don't understand basketball, but I was, I was playing defense on a guy and dude comes and sets a ball screen on me. So like I got to either go underneath it or go over the top of it to, to be able to guard my, my, my guy. And most of the time, growing up, I was always taught, like, you go over the top, and the person who's guarding the guy that's screening for you, he'll help you out. So that's what I did. I went over the top. The guy was supposed to help me out. He didn't. And I was mad because my guy scored a layup. So the next time, I'm like, well, I don't want my guy to score a layup. So I went underneath the screen. The guy just, the kid was a good player. He just stopped, popped a three right in my face. And now I've gotten scored on two times in a row, and I don't like that, Okay. So at the end of practice, I, t I asked my coach, I'm like, hey, coach, what, like, what, do, you, what do we do in the ball screen situation? How do, how do you want us to work that as a team? And he looks at me, he's like, yeah, we'll go, over that, we'll go over that tomorrow. When do you think we went over that? We never went over it. Man, I, and I realized at that point, like, I had coaches who modeled something well for me, and it was at that moment that I realized that I needed good models in my life. And we all need good models in our life. And one of the things about Jesus is he is the right model for us in every situation. No matter what the situation is, Jesus is going to be the right model for us. He's going to show us the right way. Without that kind of correct modeling for us in our lives, we are going to end up doing things wrong and we're not even going to know it. Um, and so we all know that Jesus lived... Uh, that he modeled a lot of things the right way. We, we see that he was patient, he was kind, he was caring, he was loving, he was forgiving, he was, he was all these things and, and then some. But you know one of the things that I've, I've never really thought about that he modeled really well for us? It's this. He modeled what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit working in a person. Jesus modeled what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit working in us. 
And so last week we, uh, we, did, we started off this ghost series, uh, series and, or ghost stories series. And ghost stories is really all about, if you look in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Ghost. And so we want to talk about, okay, what, what are these stories? How, how does the Holy Spirit actually work in our lives? And actually, our executive pastor put together a, a short little video of something that, where he feels like the Holy Spirit did, a, did something in his life at one point. So I just want you to check out this story real quick. Here's my ghost story. You know, it was a, it was a few years ago. I had uh, I'd driven to, uh, to Milwaukee to drop Mandy off at the airport to go visit her mom. And, um, and before I came back, I decided I was just going to go take a walk along uh, the beach there and on Lake Michigan. And so I, I pulled up and I walked down to the, to the water and I walked, I don't know, maybe a mile or a mile and a half up the beach. And then I turned around, I came back, I had taken my shoes off and, you know, I was kind of walking through the water and it was a gorgeous day and it was wonderful. And I got back to my car and I went to find, to open it up and my keys were gone. I, I couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, they weren't in my car. I, I just, and so I thought, oh my gosh, I must have dropped them somewhere along the way. And that's like, that's like um, two or three miles of, or a mile and a half of, of beach coastline. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk it and see if I see him. So I, so I head back down to the beach. I walk across and I'm thinking, there's just no way. And I go all the way out to the point that I had stopped. And I was just, because you know, I'm in, I'm in Milwaukee. I can't just call somebody, hey, come pick me up or bring me my extra set of keys. And, and so, um, man, so I'm at the end of the, of that walk and I just kind of, hung my head and I, I started praying. I said, God, I know this is stupid, but would you please just give me a, show me where these things are, remind me where I put them, whatever. And so my head's down, my eyes are bowed. I just asked God for that. And I opened my eyes and I kid you not, in the water, right in front of me, half under a little pebble rock kind of thing, are my keys. I mean, I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have scripted it better for a movie. Um, but the truth is, it's this, it's this moment when I realize that there is something happening around me. The Holy Spirit is at work. And it can be something huge like what happens on the mission field, or it can be something tiny like finding my keys. So I don't know how many of you have ever had situations like that where you just felt like the Holy Spirit uh, did something in your life. Every, every one of us have had moments where, where man, the Holy, I just feel like God, God did something. So today we want to talk about how is, how is it in the Bible that Jesus is modeling this work of the Holy Spirit. Um, now to teach everything in the, about the significance of the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we could not do that in one sermon. be honest with you, I... There is something so supernatural and interesting about this relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit that I don't think it's even all completely knowable uh, what that relationship really looks like. Um, but one of the things that gets confusing is that we find in Scripture Jesus, Jesus is God's Son. He is God Himself. But Scripture also points to us that while He is God Himself, He embodied God he also was led by the Holy Spirit. Like that, that's interesting. How, what, is that, what does that really mean? But see, 
we know that Jesus gave up his identity, even though he is and was God. In a sense, he gave up his identity as God when he was walking on earth. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 7. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Can I say that that is, theologically speaking, that might be one of the hardest passages in the Bible. Like, how can God himself give up his godness? That's a word. Okay? How does that happen? I wish, there are things in my nature that are part of my nature that I wish I could give up. Uh, I guarantee, if, if you ask my wife, the one thing she'd love for me to give up out of my nature is this desire to say a joke after everything that's said in the world. All right? And I, I'm sure it would make life for me a lot more pleasant and safe. I wouldn't say as many dumb things. But here's the thing. People do a lot of dumb, silly, funny things, and it, there has to be jokes about it. Um, that's just the way that my nature works. I can't just say that's not a part of my nature anymore and the, and the things start, stop coming to my, to my head. But Jesus somehow emptied himself of what made him God. And he did it partly in order that he could become reliant on the Holy Spirit. Ah, you know, you wonder, okay, why did Jesus have to get up in the mornings and, and pray? And I mean, if he was God, why did he have to do that? But we see here, he emptied himself so that he could become obedient to the will of the Holy Spirit and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So that he could model what that looks like for you and for me. See, I think his sacrifice goes way further beyond just what we see on the cross. He sacrifices a part of who he is to show us how to live. Now, it seems like the Holy Spirit was, was acting significantly in Jesus' life from the time he was little but I always wonder about it like oh, d did baby Jesus know that he was who he was you know Mary did you know and all that stuff yeah like when did Jesus actually know like there's something special in my life you know as a young kid he was uh, they him and his family went to Jerusalem for the Passover and when they all went back on the road to go home where was Jesus he was back at the temple and he was talking to these religious leaders there was something unusual about Jesus even at a young age and it said after he went home with his parents Luke 252 says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man so Jesus was being molded into something great again it's hard to say exactly what his relationship with the Holy Spirit looked like when he was a young man but I think we can say that there was definitely something powerful that took place the day that Jesus was baptized. Matthew 3, 16 through 17 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. All right, now, we got, we got like... I don't know what we got going on right now today, but it is interesting, to say the least. We're just going to keep going. We talked about the five love, love languages before. Uh, five love languages are, and these are a predominant way. One of these things is the predominant way that you either give or you receive love. And, and so the five of them are quality time, gifts, uh, 
and, and I, I tend to joke around that gifts, the, that one's a little bit of a shallow one. But you know what? Gifts is a good one, okay? It's also good to receive gifts. Uh, physical touch is another of the, uh, of the love languages. Acts of service and words of affirmation. Now, I am undoubtedly a physical touch kind of person. I give high fives to everybody. Everybody needs a high five. Everybody needs to be pushed once in a while. I literally, like, you might watch me with the teenagers. Yes, I push them. Everybody needs a good push once in a while. It feels good. At least I feel good giving you a push, okay? There's something about it that just feels right. But even though I'm not a words of affirmation person, if, if all of a sudden one day I heard from heaven speak to me something say, that dude's my son. I'm, I'm really well pleased with him. I like him more than most of the rest of you. Like, that's my son. That would feel really good. I would probably brag about it a lot. Something happened that was crazy on the day that Jesus was baptized. The Holy Spirit did something in him that was outside of the norm. And after this time, we see that Jesus' life starts to look different than anything's ever looked before. And so we're going to look at, at a few ways, three ways in particular, how Jesus modeled the Holy Spirit working in his life. And the first one is actually a little bit of a shocker. Uh, it, it's, when you really look at it, it's like, man, that, that's what happened when the Holy Spirit filled Jesus? Because uh, immediately after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit did a work in him. The first thing was this. Jesus models the courage that the Holy Spirit gives to run headfirst into otherwise hopeless circumstances. Jesus models courage that the Holy Spirit gives us. Do you remember what happened immediately after Jesus went and got baptized? What was the next thing that happened? I'm going to read it here in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No, duh. It was 40 days of no food, no water, so the very, very first thing that the Holy Spirit does when he fills Jesus is he sends him into the desert with no food or water. Like, what? What is that all about? That's the very first thing. Matthew says that the Spirit led Jesus there. Luke actually says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he sent him out into the, in, into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, this is actually, I think, the only time in the Bible where it talks about, as far as Luke says, that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see, after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he goes and he does something that is kind of terrifying to you and to me. There is nothing that I want to do less than walk into the desert with no food or water for 40 days. It actually makes me think of a like the worst movie that I've ever, ever seen in my whole life. There's probably a good chance that none of you have seen this movie. It is a movie called Jerry, spelled G-E-R-R-Y, and it was made back in 2002. I don't know why, but my, my mother-in-law, like we were home for Thanksgiving, we were visiting, and she pulls out and says, hey, this movie looked really good. It had Matt Damon in it, and he was already pretty popular. It had Casey Affleck, who's Ben Affleck's brother. Casey wasn't really a star yet, but... It's this low-budget, artsy movie that I'm, I'm about... I'm not even going to say that I'm going to give you a spoiler alert because I'm just... If you watch it, you're not smart. Do not watch this movie. It's horrible. But here's the premise of the movie. These two guys, they drive over to the desert, and for whatever reason, they get out, and they're walking in the desert. They don't go super far. And then they try to walk back to their car, and they couldn't find it. And so what do they do? Like any 
really two smart people, they don't just stay in the spot. They wander around the desert. And it gets dumber from there. At one point, Casey Affleck, his character, goes up on a rock, like probably 20 feet high or so, because he wants to survey the land and see where they might be. And he gets, like, landlocked on the rock. And he can't get down. And so Matt Damon, his character, is, like, kicking sand for him to jump down into this little sand thing. And the funniest part of the whole movie, this guy jumps down 20 feet and falls, and his legs just, like, buckle. Really weird. The movie was so bad, we were around it and watched it 10 times, just so there was something good. There was a 20-minute part of the movie where they're literally walking step for step like this in the desert. It's 20 minutes of that. We fast-forwarded it, and I was bored out of my mind. It was the worst movie I've ever seen. And finally, at the end of the movie, Casey Affleck's character, he's dying because you're in the desert with no food or water. And so this is a little graphic, maybe, but Matt Damon's character to put it, his, his friend out of his misery, he strangles him. And then as he, <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh at this, as he's do getting done with that, he looks up and he sees a highway with cars. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. And he gets saved that way. It's a bad movie, people. Do not watch it. But it, why do I say all that? You don't go into the desert with no food and no plan, no water. The only people that do this is Jesus after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and two dumb guys in a movie. Why would you do something so terrifying after being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's because the things that are terrifying without the Holy Spirit don't look quite so intimidating when the Holy Spirit is in us and working in us. I think that's what Jesus was trying to show us in this, in this moment. That when you've got the Holy Spirit, things just look differently. Now, it doesn't mean that you should go and like, oh man, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go stand in front of a, a speeding train. No, that's not, that's not what Jesus' point here is. But his point is, you can do things that you never thought you could do when you've got the Holy Spirit. What might be otherwise terrifying is something that now you can have courage to, to run headfirst into. Maybe it's a conflict in a relationship that you've been dealing with for a long time. You know those conflicts in relationships sometimes? It's really tough for us to have the courage to just talk about that conflict with that person. Maybe it's somebody close in our life who we're watching them uh, make decision after decision that, that we can just see it's, it's hurting them, it's hurting them. And, and it takes courage to actually talk to the person. The whole idea of the Holy Spirit is to give us the courage in those moments to do what needs to be done so that people can grow and there can be health. The Holy Spirit, like, like how it happened with Jesus in the wilderness, he gives us courage for those spiritual moments where we feel like on, on our own we're inadequate. Have you ever looked at somebody else's life and like, man, you're thinking, I don't know how they're getting through what they're getting through. It's for those kinds of moments that we need the courage of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the deal. You are, if you're not in one of those moments right now where people will be looking at you like, I don't know how he's getting through it, she's getting through it. If you're not in one of those moments now, you're going to be in one of those moments at some point. When we have the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have courage for the moments that no human should have courage for. When you find yourself in an otherwise hopeless situation... It is good for us to have direction from the one who is hope himself. Your life without the Holy Spirit, uh, 
it's going to be lacking something. But your life with the Holy Spirit, it should look a little more courageous than your life has looked previously. You should find yourself having courageous conversations with people when you're, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You should find yourself taking courageous leaps of faith. Leaps of faith that you never thought it was going to be possible for you to make. You should find yourself trusting God, having the courage to trust God with your finances when you can't put the math together of how the finances are going to work out. The thing is, if you are not in that place right now, if that's not where you're at, if you're not living a courageous life that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, the starting point for us is easy. The starting point, it's simply asking that the Holy Spirit give us courage. But how often do we do that? There's another story that I, I want to take us to that, that I think shows the, the, the modeling that Jesus gives us about how the Holy Spirit looks in our lives. The second thing is this. Jesus models the insight that the Holy Spirit can give that leads ourselves and leads others towards God. All right? Jesus models the insight that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Jesus was, he was kind of given miraculous amounts of insight from time to time. Uh, he, he probably had, let's be honest, he probably had a little bit more, you know, place with God than you and me do maybe. I don't know. But one example where, where he had a tremendous insight was the story of the Samaritan woman. And so he, he meets this woman at, at a well and, and she's not, he's not supposed to talk to her because she's a Samaritan woman and all this stuff. And he starts talking to her. And at, at one point he says, I have something that will give you eternal life that's better than the water that's in that well. And the woman's like, okay, I, I want that. And here's how Jesus responds. And it's kind of interesting what he says next. John 4, he says this. He said, go call your husband and, co and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Now Jesus had just met this woman. We, we don't have any indication that she ever, that Jesus ever knew this woman before this. He meets her now, and for some reason, the Holy Spirit gives him insight in this moment to the past of this lady. Now again, Jesus probably is on a higher level of insight than you and me are. Uh, that's okay. But you know what? I think God wants to give us a level of insight that we don't have right now. God may not have you walk up to somebody and all of a sudden this vision comes into your brain like this is what's going on in this person's life. You should talk to him about it. You might not get that. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that God wants to give us insight that's greater than what it is now. Why do I know that? Because I have children and I want to give them insight and wisdom in this world. Nothing more that I want than my kids to have wisdom enough to live the right way. And if I have a desire to give my own kids that kind of insight and wisdom, I guarantee God wants to, wants to give us insight. Um, he talks, uh, Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says this, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And there is the, there's the key once again. We need to ask the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit to give us insight, just like we ask him to give us courage. I think God wants to let us in on some of the knowledge and some of the secrets about life and what's going on in our world and, and even in the world of other people, but we have to ask him. I think 
it's important for me to actually say this real quick thought as we're talking about this, though. Uh, we should seek wisdom and insight from the Holy Spirit, both for our own life situations and for the people around us. But we need to be careful on how we go about sharing insight when we feel it's for someone else. So many times we're like, God, help me to figure out how to say this to whoever. And sometimes we're, we're, not, we're not very graceful with the insight that we feel God gives us for somebody else. You know, when you, if somebody came up to you and they were like, man, God told me to tell you this. First off, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> right? Like, that's a big statement to say to somebody. God's shown me this to tell you. But here's the other thing. In our Christian world, sometimes that becomes a very manipulative thing to do. We go and say, man, God's telling me to do... I'm not even... Don't get me wrong. Sometimes God is saying, saying we need to go tell somebody something. But the moment that you utter those words, there's a manipulation sometimes that happens where the, that person has to say, well, I can't... I don't want to go against God. So that's got to... I got to follow that. It can be a dangerous thing at times. I want you to notice, Jesus never said go and sin no more until he gained somebody's trust. Sometimes the insight that we have to give people, sometimes we got to hold off on it for a little bit. I guarantee every single one of you parents in here, you have insight that would be helpful for your kids. And I guarantee you've tried to give that insight sometimes, and they have given you like a... Right? Every single one of us has experienced that. Our kids need to see that we, we love them. They need to be able to trust us in order to take that insight from us. So sometimes what we need to do is we need to ask God for the insight on how to give insight. <laughs> if we're not doing it with grace and mercy, I question whether or not we had insight to begin with, to give. How are you giving insight that God gives to you, that the Holy Spirit speaks into you for other people? Now what's this all mean? Maybe, maybe you need to stop asking the Holy Spirit for just, just to give you insight for other people's lives, but ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight to your life, first and foremost. How to be full of love. How to be full of grace. See, the best kind of insight that I think we can get from the Holy Spirit is insight on how we really can love someone else and how we can earn their trust. That's how then we get to speak life into their lives in a better way. All right, so we're, we're talking courage. We're talking insight. These are things that we see in the life of Jesus uh, that the Holy Spirit works in through him. And there's one more that I want to talk about that the Holy Spirit works through Jesus' life, and it's this. Jesus models the submission that the Holy Spirit can lead us into. And this is a submission that sees death as the entrance gate into real life. Jesus models what submission is supposed to look like. See, I don't think that Jesus walked into the world just automatically full of humility. Remember, Philippians 2, it talked about he, he kind of, didn't equal, consider equality with God something to be grasped. He gave up that sense of his godness. There was a humility there in his heart. It says that he was made in human likeness. And so for Jesus, submission was something that still had to come through the Holy Spirit. You know, when he was about to go to the cross, he's, he's, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying before he's about to be arrested. And he says, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, do it. But then something, 
something took over in him. All those years of getting up early in the morning and submitting his heart in the morning to, to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do with me what you want to do. I, I, I am your vessel. Then the next words that came out of his mouth were, not my cup, but yours be done. Jesus had become someone who was completely in submission to what the Holy Spirit was guiding him into. And we see this in Romans 8, verses 10 through 13. It says, If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That last verse, I want to paraphrase it for you. I think that last verse is saying to us, I can submit to the Holy Spirit because as he puts certain things to death in me, he'll actually lead me into an even greater life. I love that about Jesus. His submission, he submitted himself and died to himself completely. And out of that, the Holy Spirit brought life that was better than anything else he could have done otherwise. You and I, will, we're going to find more life if we follow the Holy Spirit. If I follow the Holy Spirit into stressful situations, it's going to be better than me if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm trying to live as stress-free as I possibly can. There's so many people that are trying to live stress-free lives. They're doing all kinds of things and they're trying to they're trying to get money in their life so that that's not a stress or they're trying to just fill their life with entertainment and fun and yet at the very core of it it's one big stress ball it's they just can't seem to figure out why my life doesn't feel right but then you've got other people i got friends who man they've gone through so many different things uh, awful tragic things in this world yet because they are submitting their life to, to Jesus. They're submitting their life to the Holy Spirit. Man, life is so much better. Even in the midst of tragic situations, there can be peace in our hearts as we submit, and we see that in Jesus. Uh, worship team, I want you guys to come up. We're going we're gonna to sing one last song here in a minute. Um, submitting to the Holy Spirit, it, it can seem scary at times. There are situations where it, 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 just like Jesus, the first thing that happened after, after the baptism, the Holy Spirit fills him and he goes into the wilderness with no food, no plan for 40 days and 40 nights. But truthfully, not following and submitting to the Holy Spirit is going to be scarier than anything else you could do. Jesus gives us a roadmap of what it looks like for our lives to be led by the Holy Spirit. This week, I want to ask you, how are you going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you? Is there something that you need courage to step into? Is there a relationship where there needs to be communication and you have not had the courage to have that communication? Do you need to ask the Holy Spirit for, for courage there? Is there an area of your life where you need insight? God, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't know how to handle this situation. Are you asking the Holy Spirit to give you the insight that you need? Is there a part of your life that you need to turn over to, to the Holy Spirit and start submitting yourself fully over to Him? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. 
Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.